First thing we see in this text in James 1, 13 through 18 is the source of temptation. Look at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. James starts by saying, who is not responsible for your temptation and who is? Then he goes to who is responsible for your temptation. James is confronting there a corrupt view of temptation, and he repudiated the idea that temptation originated with God. James insisted that God is far too holy to tempt anyone. When he said, let no one say, in verse 13, that's a command, that's the imperative tense. Let no one say, I command you, let no one say, I'm being tempted by God. Some Christians that were being addressed by James wanted to make God the reason that they sinned. They said, God made me this way so that they would not be held accountable. But James stopped them dead in their tracks, called them out. He said, God cannot be tempted by evil. It's too holy. He's 100% holy. And he himself does not tempt anyone. He is sinless. He has never been tempted. And he is sinless. He never tempts anyone. So then where does temptation come from? Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Carried away and enticed. That is a hunting or a fishing metaphor. The devil is a hunter, and he's hunting you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you get saved, he wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your mind. He wants to destroy the work and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he carries us away and he entices us. It is also the picture of a harlot, a prostitute, beckoning someone to be immoral, luring them in, seducing them. What do hunters and fishermen and prostitutes have in common? They lure their prey in. I'm not putting you down if you're a hunter or a fisherman, but I am saying this. You utilize deception to pull in your prey just like a harlot does. And that's seduction. When it comes to sin, it does not come from God. It comes from us. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame God. Every human being is the source of his own temptation. If you want to know where temptation comes from, go look in the mirror and you'll see. It didn't come from your parents. It didn't come from your spouse. It didn't come from your situation. It came from within. Our hearts are desperately wicked, Jeremiah says. Who can understand them? 
We live in a day where people, many people embrace the victim syndrome. And I'm not saying there are no victims, but I'm telling you this, there are not nearly as many victims as we think there are. Now, where does that mentality come from? Adam and Eve, remember that? It comes from sin. They ate the forbidden fruit. Genesis 3, God calls them out. What have you done? Let's start with you, Adam. What have you done? Well, it wasn't my fault. A woman. Now, watch, watch, watch. Whom you gave me. It's either your fault or her fault. Don't blame me. He goes over to Eve. What have you done? The devil. The serpent. Wasn't me. It was the devil. Look at me. Don't blame God for your sin. Don't blame other people for your sin. Don't even blame the devil for your sin not their fault it's you it's you do you know why I weigh 240 pounds I eat too much oh but what about your parents I'm sure it's genetic give me a break now I will tell you that all of my family did overeat you know, when Donna's family gets out of the car, it looks like movie stars. When my family gets out of the car, it looks like somebody opened a can of biscuits. I mean, boom. The gains are here. We don't drink and we don't dance, but we eat, Amen. Who's to blame? Oh, it's genetics. No. No. It's me. It's me. I've been pastoring almost 40 years. Can't tell you how many times somebody's come in to me and say, well, I, I think I'm going to leave my spouse. Do what? Why? Well, I met somebody else. Do what? Yeah, you know, my spouse doesn't understand me. And, you know, this person understands me. Do what? And God would not want me unhappy. Do what? When's the last time God said he wanted you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. God's not within a million miles of that. You need to repent and go back to the spouse that you married. Oh, I feel a same-sex attraction. Must be God. Why would I have these feelings? Because of sin? You see, God 
condemns in the Word overeating. God condemns fornication and adultery. And God, in His Scripture, condemns homosexuality, lesbianism, bisexuality, transgenderism, you name it, pedophilia, all that stuff. God condemns all that. He says it's unnatural and it's sin. So who do you have to blame for your sin? Whatever it is, anger. I'm waiting for the amen. Don't tell me there's no anger. I drive in Memphis. I know there's anger. Where's it come from? Right here. Don't blame God. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame other people. Look in the mirror and own it. I'm the reason I'm messed up. Not a very popular thought, but when it comes to your own sin, your own sin, you're not a victim for your own sin. You're not. I'm not saying nobody's a victim in here. I am saying, though, not nearly as many people as think they're a victim are a victim. And aren't you glad that God can repent? He can forgive any sin if we will repent. Aren't you glad of that? Amen? Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You need to repent. Stop blaming everybody. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming this. Blame Just own it and repent. Repent means to admit it and quit it. Acts 3, 19, now repent of your sins, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. He will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Your desire to sin comes from your own sinful heart. Your sinful will consents with your sinful heart and you sin. You're a sinner by nature, and you eventually become a sinner by choice. It will be a banner day when we stop blaming God and other people for our sinfulness and our selfishness, and we own up to the fact that we are the source of our own temptation. Secondly, look at the seriousness of temptation. Look at verse 15. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Here we see the tragic results of yielding to temptation. He uses the imagery of becoming pregnant out of wedlock. Sin is likened in this text to a man uniting with a prostitute that results in conception and the birth of an illegitimate child. It's exactly what these words mean. Carried away and enticed by his own lust. 
And then, when he's conceived, he gives birth to sin. Lust, Greek word epithemia, means a craving, a longing, a deep desire. The person immorally, deeply desires, deeply craves, deeply longs for sinfulness. And then when he gives into that lust, lust conceives and gives birth to an illegitimate thing called sin. And then sin produces something itself, death. Ezekiel 18, 4, the soul who sins will die. Romans 6, 23, the wages, the just penalty of sin is death. Lustful desires produce sin. Sin produces death. That's the seriousness of temptation. It's not just geese that are caught, it's also squirrels. Watch this. The guy that set the trap. No. <laughs> Who's to blame? The squirrel. He went in, took the bait. And I'm telling you, the devil is smarter than you or me. And you look at me. Everybody look me right in the eye. The devil is baiting every one of you. Every one of you. I don't care who you are. He's baiting me. He's baiting everybody in this room. And he is smart. He knows what you like. And he'll dangle it before you. Oh, yeah. I know what you want. Come on over here. Do you understand? The seriousness of temptation, it messes up marriages, messes up families, messes up careers, messes up churches, messes up individual people. If you keep on yielding to temptation, you're playing Russian roulette with your life. You just keep on. It's just a matter of time that you're going to meet Delilah and it'll be too late. You keep on flirting with temptation sooner or later. God says, that's enough. I want to tell you something. God is very patient. God is very kind. God will give you time to repent. Aren't you grateful for that? 
you keep on in your stubborn ways, and God says, that's it. And only he knows when he does that. That's it. They crossed the line. Down comes the hammer of God's justice. Keep on flirting with it. Lust will conceive. It will give birth to sin. And sin will bring forth death. That's the seriousness of temptation. Notice the slyness of temptation. Really, temptation and slyness could be synonyms. Look at verse 16. Don't be deceived. It's like James just said, I just got to stop and say, don't be deceived. That's not all. My beloved brethren, you mature Christians out there can fall too. The devil is sly. This is a hinge verse. It connects everything we've talked about since verse 13, 14, and 15. And it connects it to 17 and 18 when God talks about every good thing is coming down from heaven but every bad thing in your life is coming from within you. Oh, we don't like that. We, oh, no, no, brother, not everything. No, 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 no. It's all these other people. They're doing wrong. Look at me. They are not your problem. You're your problem. Oh, we don't like that. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I, I do understand. And so does God. Not that I'm God. But I just read his word. You're where your sin comes from. And so he's connecting these ideas. Blessings are where God come from God, but your sin comes from you. And our hearts are cunning and selfish and deceitful and shrewd. Remember Peter? I'll never deny you, Lord. Truly I say to you, all of you are going to deny. I'll never deny you, Lord. If I have to die, I'll never deny you. Peter, I say to you, before the rooster crows, tonight, and he ends its crowing, you're going to deny me. And a little girl said, hey, weren't you? Weren't you with Jesus? No. Where's Peter now? He fell into temptation. I, I know. I know you're one of them because you talk so country. You talk Galilean. And he curses. He says, I'm not one of them. And he throws in some flowery language to prove it. And the Bible says about that time Jesus turned and looked at him. And Peter went off crying. You can be the apostle Peter. You can live with Jesus in your house three and a half years. You can walk with him, hear him preach, see his miracles. You can go to a church that has miracles going on, people getting saved. You can be a pastor. You can be all these other things. But look at me. 
you can still give in to sin and the devil will take you down. The slyness of temptation. You say, Brother Steve, this is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard in my life. I've had 29 minutes of take me down. Can we get with something any better? Do you realize how many times God says, I want you to gain victory? Let me give you one of my favorite verses on temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. This is for all the folks that think they can't fall. Well, I, I, I'll never give in to that. You better watch out. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Let's read it together off the screen so we'll all read it together in the same version. Read it with me. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest that he does not fall. Be on guard today. Write these references down if you don't have them. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Revelation 3, 2. Wake up, strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. You can't play around presumptuously with temptation. You can't do it. Hear and heed God's warning today. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. The devil is smarter than you. Temptation is more powerful than you. Run to Jesus. Run to him. Flee to his word. Call on him in fervent prayer. Fast. Pray. Seek God. But don't give in to temptation. And somebody here today is this close from your life being radically changed for the worse. You've gone to the precipice and you pull back a little. You've gone to the precipice, you, boy, yeah, you'll go back. No, no, you go back and you keep going. Then you start staring and you stay there. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're this far from ruining your life and the life of the people around you. The slyness of temptation. Well, let's look at the solution. Can I have an amen in the house of God? He said, thank God. Look at verse 17. Every good thing, every perfect gift, it's like you pull out of a nosedive, every good thing, and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. You could preach on that all day long. God is pictured as being above. He's above us physically, logistically, morally, powerfully. He's above us. We're the beneficiaries of His goodness. God is a giver, and He gives good gifts because He is good. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message 
we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness, that is no sin at all. All these good things, James says, are coming down from the Father of lights. And in him there is no variation. Aren't you glad that God is not capricious? God doesn't wake up in a bad mood because he doesn't sleep for one thing, but he's not one way one day and another way the other day. God is constant all the time. He is not double-minded, as James would say in James chapter 1, verse 8. He's not shifty. He's not sly. He's not there in variation. He's not like a shifting shadow. He doesn't come like the devil to steal, kill, and destroy. God is good. God is good. And when he gives a gift, it's not just good, it's perfect. In the exercise of his will, this is the best of all the gifts that God gives you. Verse 18, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. What is that talking about? In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth. God saved us. How did he do it? He sent us the word of truth. He sent us the gospel and he pulled us out of the miry clay of sin. He set our feet on a rock called Jesus and he put a new song in our heart called the Holy Ghost of God. And now we've been pulled out of the miry clay, set on that rock, and we have the Spirit of God in us and we don't have to live for ourselves anymore. We can die to ourselves and we can live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. This world is broken. You can't fix it. Politicians can't fix it. They can make all the promises they want to, but I got news for you. It is a broken world. But Jesus can fix you. You're still going to be in a broken world, but you don't have to be broken in a broken world. You can live for Christ and overcome temptation. The exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we could be a kind of first fruits, a new creation among his creatures. Old things passed away, new things have come, new desires, new thoughts, a new love for the people of God, a new love for the God of the universe, a new love for the Holy Spirit, a new love. For the Bible, a new love for prayer, a new love for spiritual things that you never sought before. Not just on Sunday, man. You want it all week. You, you just can't wait to, to, to see what God's going to say to you today in the Word. The solution for temptation is to look around and see how good God has been to you. <laughs> All the good gifts, they come from above. God blessed you with a job. It came from above. God blessed you with good health. It came from above. You're in your right mind. That came from above. 
able to walk across the floor, that came from above. You got anybody that loves you, that came from above. Any good thing in your life, it came down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. You know, just get down on your face and say, God, thank you, 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 and just keep on thinking about things that he's done for you and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't have to ask him anything or for anything. Just praise him for what he's done. That's the way out. Now, I'm going to give you real quick how to win over temptation. This is not in your notes, but I want you to write it down. And write the references down and study it on your own. Get your pen out. Don't look at your wife and say, get this, baby. No, don't do that. <laughs> baby doesn't need to get it for you. You get it. All right? Number one, how to win. Put on the armor of God. Keep that up on the middle screen, if you will. And then on the side screens, I'll give you the verse, Ephesians 6, 11. Boy, those guys are good. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. How many of you think that people ought to get dressed before they leave the house? Anybody believe that? Praise God. I'm glad that you raised your hand. I want to tell you something, though. While you're getting dressed physically, you ought to get dressed spiritually. Every morning, I call out the names of my whole family. And I say, Lord, gird our loins with truth. Shot our feet with the preparation. Because if you read right after that verse, you'll see all of this I'm about to give you. Put on us the gird, gird our loins with truth. Shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on us the breastplate of righteousness. Helmet of salvation. Shield of faith. Quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You can do that every day. You don't have to do it that fast. But you need to dress yourself every day. Don't you walk into a day you don't have the armor of God on. He says, put it on. Then Steve's going to put it on. <laughs> I dressed my kids when they were little. I'll dress them now spiritually when they're older. And all of my grandbabies. And then you pray preventively. What are you talking about there, preacher? I'm talking about praying preventively. Jesus told us to in Matthew 6, 13. Don't lead us into temptation. That's a prayer. But deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Lord, don't lead us into temptation. Not that you would tempt us, Lord, but keep us away. Help us to, to recognize temptation before we walk into a trap. God, that's what he's saying. And then, Lord... Deliver us from the evil one. Dear God, we don't know where the devil is. He's smarter than us, stronger than us. Help us, Lord. That's just, just cry out to God. Help me, Lord. Matthew 26, 41. Jesus is in Gethsemane. He's pouring out his heart like he's sweating like great drops of blood falling from his head. He's, he's crying out to the Father, and his disciples fall asleep. And he goes to them and said, Keep watching. Matthew 26, 41, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Say it out loud. We. Spirit's willing. You want to do right. It's your flesh. It's that 
mess. It's that sin that's messing you up. Don't give in to it. Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Epithemia. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation. This is so good. Let's all read it together. We're going to read it fast because i got more to say. So get with the program. Here we go. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Do you hear what that's saying? Every time you have a temptation, God steps up. God stepped up and said, you want out? Here's the way out. The minute you're tempted, you got to see, okay, God, where's the way out? And you know what? A lot of times, put it in B for boogie and get out of there. Just get out of there. Well, I can't just walk away. Yes, you can. Just say, bye. I just showed you how to avoid a lot of sin. Just get out of there. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee from youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord. So, put on the whole armor of God, pray preventively. Number three, reject temptation, take thoughts captive. Keep that on the screen. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are destroying speculations. What if this happened? Who says that to you? The devil. What about that? What if this? Oh, you better watch out. This might happen. Speculations. It's always messing with your mind. What if this happens? Oh, something bad may happen. Oh, who is that? The devil. We're destroying those speculations. Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Say that with me. We are taking every thought captive captive to the obedience of Christ. You can walk out of this room after a sermon on temptation and be tempted before you get to your car. Before you get to your car. What do you do with it? Here's what you do with it. Not today. Uh-uh, that's not of God. That doesn't line up with Scripture. God doesn't want me to live in fear. God doesn't want me to live in discouragement. God doesn't want me to live in sin. That thought's not from God. Every thought you have is not from you. Every thought you have is not from God. Some of your thoughts are fiery darts that the devil throws at you. And what you need to do is when you hit one of those things, hit you in the head, pull it out, blow it out with the Holy Ghost and say, not today. I will not let that stay in my mind. I can't keep it from being thrown at me, but I can refuse it and say, I'm not going there. No way, not today. Don't tell me you can't do that. Oh, but it's so hard. Give me a break. And it's time to get strong in the Lord and to quit being, letting the devil just beat the tar out of you all the time. Number four, bind and resist demonic strong men. Oh, my. Mark 3, 27, no one can enter the strong man's house, plunder his property, unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. Well, how do you do that, Brother Steve? You say it like this, I bind that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Fear comes over you. I bind that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus through his shed blood by the power of the Holy Spirit, Word of God. 
I've done this on a video, the, the sermon that I preached right here at the men's conference back at the end of January, January 31st. Go look at it and you see the whole sermon on binding and loosing. I do this every day with different strong men that we all face. I have a list of about 30 strong men that are attacking our nation, I believe, and I ask, I bind and loose every day over those things. You say, you've lost your mind. No, I've gotten into my right mind. I bind them in the name of Jesus through his shed blood by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and then I say, Lord, now plunder their house, plunder their property, and loose in their stead love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, I don't, I've never heard anything about that. Well, you just didn't, you didn't read it in your Bible. Jesus said it. James 4, 7, and 8 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. What does that mean? It means submit therefore to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. How do you resist the devil? You ask God to bind the strong man in the name of Jesus. There is shed blood by the power of the Holy Spirit, Word of God, righteousness of Jesus. You just believe God can do it. I can't bind them, but Jesus can. Lord, would you bind these demonic spirits? Would you bind this strong man? Would you bind this spirit of fear? Would you bind, you know what a spirit of fear is? Let me, let me give it to you. Numa asthenia. That's a spirit of weakness and fear. Would you just say, okay, this is a spirit. This fear that comes upon me is not just me. This is a spirit that's coming on me. And God, the Bible says, has not given me a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, I believe it is. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So I'm not going to entertain this. I know what it is. Get off my back. I bind you in the name of Jesus through his shed blood by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I loose the fruit of the Spirit and the fire of the Spirit over me. You can say, Brother Steve, that's the craziest. Okay, then walk in defeat. There's the alternative. There's the alternative. How's that working for you? Not very good. Pray Scripture. Oh, my. wish I had more time, but I don't. I know that I've preached 48 minutes. I know that. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, bones, both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What did Jesus do when the devil tempted him? Jesus did not parley like Eve did in the garden. He didn't discuss things with the devil. He just hit him with the word. He hit him three times with the word of God. He quoted three verses all out of Deuteronomy, either chapter 6 or chapter 8. He stuck the devil with the word, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And the devil got out of there. That's the only way you talk to the devil. You quote Scripture. You pray Scripture. You're always praying Scripture because when you pray Scripture, you pray the Word of God and the will of God. I'm telling you, the devil is setting up a blind out there somewhere and he's got you in mind. He's setting a trap up out there. 
He's setting a pit up out there for you to fall in, a trap for you to step in. He's got a lure. Oh, he's got some bait, and he's dangling it, dangling it before you daily. What are you going to do? You've got to take ownership of this thing. You've got to start saying, I am not a victim. <laughs> I am a victor. I am victorious in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is no temptation that has overtaken me, but such as is common to man. Everybody else is going through this too. But God is going to give me the way of escape so that I don't have to live in bondage. I can walk in freedom. I can walk not in fear, but in faith, not in discouragement, but in joy. I can walk in the power of the Holy Ghost of God, and I don't have to give in to sin, and I don't have to give in to temptation. I can walk victoriously with my God. Amen. I'm going to tell you this, never, ever, ever think that you can't fall. Don't you ever think that. Walk around the rest of your life saying, it's only by the grace of God that I'm still standing. <laughs> it's only by the grace of God. And look at me, if you fall, get up. Get up. Shake that mess off of you and move on.